So this morning, we're going to be look at um, the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6. If you can turn there, if you have your Bible, if not, it's right here. And that scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So from this verse, we get our core value, which is we value training up children in the way of the Lord. So how are we supposed to do this? Train. In the dictionary, it says to develop or form the habits, thoughts, or behavior of a child by discipline and instruction. The Bible says that children are a reward. We have 18 years to train them. The Bible tells us how we're supposed to train them in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 to 9. And that verse says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I wish I was the perfect model of parenting but I am not. We sent our daughter to a a Christian school from preschool because her nieces and nephews went there and they said it was a good school. She actually found Jesus and accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She used to talk to me all the time about Jesus. And I would be like, yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's neat. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. I used to be embarrassed taking her anywhere because she would pass out tracks. <laughs> and people would be like, what is this? And try to give it back. She said, no, I bought that for you. She would go up to complete strangers and ask them, do you know Jesus? No. And they would say, no. And she goes, do you want to know him? And they'd be like, no. She goes, oh, okay. I was like afraid to go out with this little girl. It wasn't until I got divorced from her mom. After 10 years of marriage. that her mom invited me to church, so I went. 
And I found out, wow, Jesus that she was always talking about wanted a relationship with me. I couldn't believe it. And through my whole life, I was struggling. I was getting beat down. I was, it's like I'm hitting a wall. I was making no progress. I take one step forward and maybe like five steps back. And then I started reading the Bible. Oh, and the light bulb went on. I was like, this is all the answers in here. This is life's instruction book. How come I waited 37 years to find the instruction book? Once I started going to church, it's like my daughter was teaching me. It's like I was her child. I would say, what does it say in the Bible that God doesn't lie? She goes, oh, it's this book, this chapter, this verse. Oh, who was the two guys that never died? Oh, that's Elijah and Enoch. I would pronounce a book. I thought it was Filipinos. She goes, Dad, that's Philippians. I was like, oh, it looks... Looks like the Philippines to me. It's like she was teaching me everything, and then I finally got it. And I think the way we live, the example in how we live our life, speaks volumes to our children. Because I felt like God was telling me, you're going to have to tithe, Matt. And I was like, I'm divorced. I'm busted up. I'm working three jobs to make a go at it. And a man I used to go to church with, he pulled me on the side one day, and he told me, Matt, why are you working so much? I was like, I got to pay for my house. He's like, you know what? You have a young daughter. And before you know it, she's going to be grown up, and she's going to be gone, and she's not going to know you. So I adjusted. I changed jobs. I was working as a firefighter. One third of the year, I am not home. So I thought about this this past week. Over a 25-year career, I was not at home for eight and a third year. So I felt like, okay, God, are you, like, for real? You say you don't need my money, but it's a trust thing. So I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to go all in, so I start tithing. But then because I'm not working three jobs, I cannot afford to pay my bills. So I start falling behind. And so I go to a financial planner. I was like, I need help, man. And he's like, well, if you stop giving to the church, you'll be okay. And I was like, I am not going to stop because I'm trusting God on this. 
I want to find out, is he who he says he is? So I made an adjustment. At 40 years old, I decided to rent my house and I moved in with mom and dad. So my daughter, she was young. She probably didn't understand it. But I said, we're going to go live with grandma and papa now. And so we did. I was eventually able to sell the house. And then I meet a lovely lady at church. I give away all my stuff. I felt like Paul. I called the firemen to help me move. And I told them, you can have whatever you want in my house. They took everything. Beds. They took my beloved bread machine, massage chair, piano, couch, everything, gone. And so I had nothing. But then I marry a lady who has everything. I feel like we can plant seeds in our children's lives. But what about if you don't have kids? What about that? I think this message is for you too. Because you can plant seeds in that child's life. In Hawaii, you're everybody's uncle and auntie. Or you can plant seeds into their parents. You can speak truth into their life. You know, my sister-in-law is here. I invited her. I've known her longer than anybody else in this room. And 22 years ago, I wasn't even going to church, and she gave me this black book. And it has my name on it and the Jesus fish. Did she know 25 years ago? that I would be a fisher of men. She dedicated it in here. She actually filled out the blanks. It says, from Fran, August 9th, 1992, to Matt Zane. And she underlined this scripture. It says, the the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand Forever. She planted a seed in me that didn't grow for like seven years. But then, because once it sprouted, I was able to train my daughter because of that. So, whether you have kids or not, you're, you're a part of this. You know, I I thought of my daughter a lot this past week. It's her birthday in a couple days. She's a Halloween baby. I told her when she was young, when you grow up, you're going to have some wild parties on Halloween. Everybody's celebrating. She's having a party in like six weeks. 
She got the caterer, figured out the menu. $45 a head. That's pretty steep for a young person. But she gets a call on Friday from the caterer saying, oh, by the way, we didn't tell you that that doesn't include labor. So labor is another $45 an hour. So instead of $45 a head, it is now $90 a head. And so I think to myself, will she remember her training? Will she remember that as I love God, that all things work together for my good because I love him and I am called? Will she remember that she has a destiny because that's what God says. You are destined. I am making you into the likeness of Jesus. Will she remember that when she goes to work, even though the kitchen is full of Chinese cooks and they don't speak English, that I may be the only Jesus they see that day. Will she remember when she goes over and talks to the homeless man that they see Jesus? I had my daughter when I was 30 years old. She graduated from high school 30 years after I graduated from high school. She's getting married in six weeks, 30 years after I married her mama. I started preaching when I was 56 years old. My daughter is 26 years old, 30 years younger than me. Would you help me welcome my daughter, Hope. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Okay, he's a tough act to follow, huh? Man. Okay, so... Like he said, my name is Hope. Um, I'm his daughter. I, I think I know most of you, but for those of you who don't know me, um, I'll introduce myself. Uh, I'm 26 years old. I'm a writer and an artist, um, and I've been coming to this church for just under a year now. Something you might not know about me is that before that, I hadn't gone to church for about nine years. Um, my dad asked me to come up and talk about training children in the way of the Lord from a different perspective. Uh, so, the verse that we're talking about is Proverbs 22.6. Uh, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I took a class once, and the teacher was talking about this verse and made an interesting point that I had never thought about, that this isn't a promise that God is making to parents. 
that unfortunately you can do everything right, but your kids still have free will and your kids might stray, which is not something any parent wants to hear, I think. So you heard about how I was raised. You know, my dad told you about how I was a tiny baby evangelist running around scaring everybody, telling them that they should know Jesus. I had no fear and no shame. I was so on fire for Jesus. And I think if we stop the story there, that's what everyone wants for their kid. That seems like a huge win. But life isn't like that, and the story doesn't stop there. My parents did an awesome job. I couldn't have asked for better parents. But I also became a teenager. I grew up and I started to have questions that I couldn't find easy answers for. As I was exposed to the nature of the world, suddenly my conception of God and of life started to expand in ways that made me feel uncomfortable. My parents might pinpoint when I turned away from God as when I went away to college, but in reality, it started way before that. When I was in high school, I remember looking around and thinking, I have gay family members. I have gay friends. I didn't understand why the Bible said they couldn't love who they loved. It seemed deeply unfair to me at that age. I had questions that I didn't want to ask anybody because I was afraid they would think I was a bad Christian for having these doubts. Questions like, how is this fair? If God is good and just, then why would he do this to certain people? I'll tell you a secret when I say that that was the first crack in my faith. My faith continued to crumble when I went away to college. I was always kind of a serious kid, a sensitive kid. I cried easily, I thought too much, I felt too much. I moved to the mainland at 17. When I was alone in a big world for the first time, my tendency towards melancholy nosedived into a deep depression. Years later, I would be diagnosed with severe anxiety and panic disorder, which means that I have panic attacks seemingly at random for no reason that I could figure out. The thing about panic disorder is that it also starts in the person of fear of panic attacks. You become afraid of going unfamiliar places because you might not be able to escape. What if I have a panic attack? What if people see me? What if they think that I'm weak? When I was 20, I didn't actually go out much. I worked near my house, and sometimes for a whole month, I wouldn't venture further than five blocks from my house in either direction out of fear. I had happy times, but those were bad years. I fell asleep at 10 o'clock most nights, sometimes earlier. My parents probably thought that I was out partying instead of staying home like this. It's strange for a young adult to go to bed so early, but I did it because if I was asleep, then the depression couldn't get me. Nights were the worst, and I just wanted to fast forward through all of them. 
I had more hard questions then that I didn't want to ask my family, that I didn't want to ask any Christians that I knew. Questions like, where are you, God? If you love me, then why did you make me like this? Why am I so broken, and why don't you save me from it? Are you listening? And the question that hurt most of all, do you care about me, God? So I've told you another secret now, because I don't talk about this. For years, I thought that God must have made a mistake when he made me. My parents did everything right, and yet my path had taken a dark turn. You can't protect your kids from everything. You aren't the only ones who will influence them in this life. Things and circumstances and people will influence them, and sometimes not for the better. But you can give them a good foundation. You can plant a seed of faith in them. During those years, I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't go to church. And yet my parents had given me the gift of a seed of faith Through all those years, I never stopped praying. I didn't want anything to do with Christianity, but I constantly read poetry about God. I read books about religion. Sometimes I even read the Bible. I could never bring myself to say I was an atheist. I didn't want to admit to anyone I knew that I believed in God, but I never doubted that God was there, even in my darkest doubts. I've been thinking a lot about seeds and plants. My dad and I both like to garden, so maybe that's why we both found this metaphor together on our own. I've been thinking a lot about the phrase going to seed. When a plant goes to seed, it's the end of a plant's life cycle. The plant looks like it's dead. It's brown and withered. The leaves are crunchy. You can't eat it. It looks like it's not good for anything. It would be an easy mistake to think that that plant was finished. That's not how plants work, though. When a plant has gone to seed, there is life hidden in tiny seeds that will come to life again given the right conditions. With the right soil and enough water, seeds will burst to life again. My dark years were a kind of winter. It was a winter for my faith, which had withered and curled, cracked and broken and died back. But God can revive even faith that looks dead if there is a seed there. For me, the catalyst was hearing the first sermon that my dad gave in this church, where he talked about being on assignment for Jesus. That sermon touched something in my heart and reminded me that there is a God who deeply loves us, who has a plan for our lives and who doesn't make mistakes when he makes people. I didn't plan on coming back to church. I didn't plan on becoming a Christian again. But I felt pulled back by God's grace. Like a dry seed touched by faith, touched by rain, my faith woke up. It stretched out in the sun slowly until it bloomed, and I rededicated my life to Christ in this church. Parents are like farmers. You're the cultivators of your children's hearts. You have the important job of tending them, but God is the one who makes their faith grow. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 7, and this is Paul talking here, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You know, being raised in the church made a huge difference in my life. Being raised in a Christian school, I learned so much. I have a foundation of biblical knowledge that I have always appreciated. But that isn't what made the biggest difference in my life. What really mattered to me was seeing my parents' example of what it means to live godly lives. My dad is so humble. He'll tell you that he's not the perfect parent, and I know he's not, because nobody is perfect. But to me, I think he is so close. When I look at him, I have always seen what I want to be. I look at him and I see what it means to live a good life, to be a good person. And his faith is so central to his identity, he builds his life around it. And so I look at that and I think, if I want to be the kind of person, I should build my life around Jesus too. And it's not just my dad. I see it in my stepmom, who I'm not related to, but who has always loved me and been there for me and has been such a friend. We're family even if we're not related by blood. And in my biological mom, who has sacrificed so much for me in order to give me a life that was good. I'm confident that the best gift you could ever give your children is an example to follow, footsteps to follow in, a compass so when they get lost, they can look at you and think, that's what I want to be. I don't have any advice for you, really. I don't feel qualified to give advice, but to any of the kids and the youth in the audience, I just want to say, be braver than I was. Bring your honest questions to your family and to people you trust. Trust that they will love you and help you. And I invite anyone who feels like they might be a mistake to go back to the Bible for truth that you aren't what you might think you are or what the world tells you that you are, that you are what God says you are, that you are made in his image, that he has a plan for you, and that you are deeply loved and never alone. I am so comforted by the fact that everything is in God's hands. God loves your children more than you ever could, and he wants the best for them. I'm proof that you can do all the right things and your children might still turn away from God. But I am also proof that they can come back and that God will never give up on your children. Okay, uh, could we all bow our heads in prayer? Um, Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to come here together today to worship you. Thank you for our pastors and their wives. Thank you for all the parents in the audience and all the children. Thank you for the families that you have created. 
and that you love all of your people so much 